And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It is a Friday afternoon. It means it's time to talk money. And who better than somebody who makes plenty of sense from Envision Financial? Luke Smith, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, today, apparently, we're talking about how to start a pension from super now that you're retired. Well, Luke, I haven't quite retired yet, but convince me and maybe I will. <laughs> well, I don't think you need some convincing. I think it's the uh, it's the pot at the end of the rainbow when people reach their, uh, their retirement age, and it's ultimately what everybody sort of looks forward to. So we'll sort of demystify a few rules, throw up a few things to consider, and I guess try and make the most of your structure because there are a few things you can do prior to starting the pension that you need to be aware of. Both the tax efficiency of it as well as the estate planning and the transfer of it should anything happen to you unexpectedly. Yeah, well, let's start with the basics. Everybody knows that you're supposed to be 67 to get the aged pension, but uh, you don't have to be that old to start your pension from your superannuation fund, do you? No, look, exactly right. I think that's one of the biggest uh, misconceptions and, and assumptions that people make is that they confuse the um, the entitlement age for Centrelink with the age pension and their own pension. Now, there are two very different time frames. As we said, there's a specific age bracket and the year that you're born for the age pension. And a similar thing has happened with uh, your own superannuation. So anybody born after the 1st of July 1964, you need to be 60 or over. Um, but if you're born prior to that, you need to check your preservation age because, for example... If you're born between uh, 1 July 61 and 30 June 62, your preservation age is actually 57. So you need to see what part of the year you're born or understand whether it's early or late in the financial year and see which bracket you fall into um, because it is a staged approach, which is a different age bracket to the age pension. So you will be able to get your superannuation benefits prior to Centrelink. Um, And that's one of the big things that people sort of miss the other big thing is they say, well, you know, what does retirement mean? And we get this one a lot because the definition of retirement is impacted by the age at which you make the declaration. And what I mean by that is under the age of 60, you make a declaration that you've ceased gainful employment and you do not intend to return to the workforce for more than 10 hours a week in the future. If you're over the age of 60, you only need to cease one form of gainful employment to meet that definition. So in that example, you could have two jobs, quit one of them and say that you have retired because one of your gainful employments has ceased and you would then be able to continue with your other paid employment and start a pension on a tax-free basis over the age of 60 if that was the case. So understanding what your personal situation is will have a direct impact on whether you do or do not meet the definition depending on your age and the way that you are gainfully employed at the time you make the declaration. So if you've worked out that you are of the appropriate age and you meet that definition of retirement, how do you go about starting a pension from your superannuation fund? Right. So the first thing you do is you contact the fund and you say, hey, I'd like to take some money out in the form of a pension. Now, another big misconception here is that we leap to the assumption that a pension is paid fortnightly and it's the only way that you can take it. When we, when we use the word pension, I'd substitute the word pension for the word out. And what I mean by that is all we're doing is over our working life, we are accumulating super, so we're putting money in. When we start a pension, we say, hey, Mr. Fund, I'd like to take some money out now, potentially on a regular basis. Now, you could make 
a monthly pension payment, you could make a semi-annual pension payment, a half-yearly pension payment, or an annual pension payment, depending on what suits your requirements. It does not have to be on a fortnightly basis, which is what happens with things like the age pension, but also defined benefit schemes like CSS and PSS, they're paid on a fortnightly basis. Your own superannuation does not have to come out like that, and you can draw it in a way that suits you best. So you contact your fund, I'd like to start a pension please. You fill out the paperwork with your respective fund that says, hey, I'm this age and I've met this condition. And we touched on the two ways that you can do that just previously. So I'm over 60, a form of employment that I was undertaking has ceased. You tick the box. You generally then provide the bank account that you'd like the pension paid and how much you would like to take. And this again is not something that is set in stone, but there are some rules that we need to adhere to. And that is that the government sets a pension minimum on a percentage basis, depending on your age. So under the age of 65, the standard minimum is 4% a year of your balance, either at the start of the year or when you start it during the financial year. If you're over 65, historically, the minimum has always been 5% up to age 75. But because of COVID, these minimums have been divided by two for the last couple of financial years. So depending on when you do start a pension, just check and see what the legislated minimum is when you do it so that you know that you can make sure that you've drawn at least the legislated minimum for your age by 30 June of the year that you start the pension, taking it however you like to suit your particular cash flow. So they're really the, the sort of key admin steps um, that people can consider. Some other key things that they want to keep in mind is have you maximised all of your potential capital going into a pension before you start it? Because one thing we need to keep in mind here is let's say we have a million dollars in our fund and we start a pension with 100% of the balance. Once we start that pension, add to its capital value, by that I mean put more money in, without stopping winding back the pension, adding more money, and then starting another income stream. So the, the, the general piece of, the, of, of advice here is get as much in as you can before you start it to avoid the faffing around that comes with adding more money later. Now, there'll be situations where you need to, and you can stop and start a pension and add more money to it, but there's a lot of faffing around in the background when it comes to paperwork and administration should that occur particular situation on that front say you've uh, concluded your very long and distinguished career at a particular place of employment and uh, when you hang up your hat they give you a very generous termination payment because you've accrued a lot of untaken leave or whatever the case might be can you pump all of that into your superannuation fund before you start your pension yeah look again great great there because they're the sorts of things that you need to be across strategically before you start your pension. And when I say maximise your benefits, you might have a bonus coming from work and you might want to make a deductible contribution to lower your income tax in your last full working year because you may have a, a whole load of um, annual leave and, and long service leave that will be taxed in your final period of employment. So you may want to use some of that money to lower your taxable income and use things like personal deductible contributions or the bring forward concessional rules if there are. You may have 
recently sold a property or you may have inherited some money. So you may want to use the non-concessional rules to put in 110,000 or 330,000 thresholds permitting to try and bolster the capital value from which you are going to draw an income stream. Because the big thing we need to keep in mind here is over the age of 60, where you draw an income stream from a pension, there is no tax paid inside the fund. So that'll save you 15% or less. There is also no capital gains tax paid on an account-based pension that is under the transfer balance cap. So you could buy CBA at $50, you could sell CBA at $150 in the future, and you will pay absolutely no capital gains tax where that CBA holding is held inside an account-based pension up to certain thresholds. So starting a pension is not just a great way to fund your lifestyle and live the way you want to live after an extinguished an extended career. It's also a great way to maintain a very tax-effective structure whilst having a very wide range of investment options, provided you're an appropriate superannuation fund that meets your needs. So, Luke, what are the things that people should consider when starting a pension? Yeah, the big ticket items here are, you know, know what you're going to need. I think one of the biggest things that people struggle with is they come in and sit down and say, can I retire? And the first thing I ask them is, well, what do we need to fund? And I get a shoulder shrug and a, uh, I don't really know. Uh, well, I'm just a normal person with an average lifestyle. And I've been getting those two answers for the last 20 years. And that could mean you live on $50,000 or $300,000. I really think you need to have a good understanding of that. So do a little bit of research into your budget and your cash flow and get a handle on what your fixed costs are so that you can go into retirement with a lot of peace of mind, knowing how much of your accumulated assets you're going to need to draw on to live the way you want to live. The other thing I want to make sure of is have an appropriate buffer in the pension account. Now, depending on the fund that you're with, I always recommend that people keep six months, maybe 12 months of known costs in cash. Because if we have something like COVID come along and the market value of assets comes under pressure, you probably don't want to be selling assets to be able to fund your pension. So building in a bit of a buffer is very important and it can give you a lot of peace of mind when it comes to funding retirement costs and your everyday living expenses in both good and bad times relevant to a market. Understand your risk profile and what the expected income return is. If you're not in a fund that lets you control the income by using ETFs or listed shares, then think about that because I find a lot of people want some comfort in what will my fund earn in the way of income, just like you would rent a house and collect the rent, the dividends from your portfolio can provide a lot of peace of mind when it comes to funding your annual living costs. So considering that is really, really important and how you want to fund your, your yourself. And as I said earlier, it doesn't have to be monthly. It can be annually. For example, you could take a, a pension on the 28th of June and another pension on the 1st of July, and you could have two years worth of pension income come out in the matter of days. Now, if you have a partner that's still working, you may not need to draw all of your pension out on a monthly basis. You might just have a little top up for holidays every six months. So look at your broader position and where income is coming from in relation to your asset base. You might have some rent, you might have a building that you own, you might have a super fund, you might have assets in your own name. Look at your total earnings capacity and your resources and then draw your pension accordingly. Because as I mentioned earlier, if everything inside your pension is tax-free and free from capital gains tax, maximising its value if you have other income sources 
can be very advantageous over the longer term. So knowing where you're going to source your retirement income from can provide, again, a lot of peace of mind when it comes to funding retirement because it is a big change and I can appreciate it can be very scary because the income tap of wages has potentially been turned off for the last time and you want to know that your money will last as long as possible. So having a realistic understanding of your budget can again lead you down that peace of mind road and, and make people feel comfortable about affording a car, a trip, a holiday, helping out the grandkids because everybody wants to see the value of their funds go up and not down. But unfortunately, over time, these things are designed to run out and you also don't get a second go at, at spending it. So, you know, I recommend that people, you know, keep in mind that you're not going to have the living costs of a 65-year-old when you're 85 or 90 potentially. So, you know, just make sure that you're you're maximising your opportunities going forward. We're talking dollars and cents with uh, Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Today we're talking about how to start a pension from super now that you are retired. Now, Luke, I've got two questions. The first one is, after I've retired and I've started my pension, what if I decide I'd like to do some part-time work? Can I? Yeah, no problem at all. Once you've met that condition of release and started that income stream, you're free to go and do whatever you want after that, knowing that any contributions that are made whilst you're working will need to be met by another declaration just for the monies that are coming in when you return to the workforce. So you can actually have your cake and eat it too and have a tax-free pension coming out of super, which is great, which we spoke about before the break, but also then have some wages coming in on a part-time basis or even potentially go back on a full-time basis. Or as I mentioned before the break, keep one of your jobs going and then supplement other income stream from a pension. If a spouse wanted to retire or you wanted to minimise the tax inside your pension account, it's a great way to accumulate tax-effective assets going forward. So it's really a case-by-case and making sure that you're using the legislation in your favour. So the second question is, Luke, what are the key things to consider when starting a pension? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the primary things are remembering, knowing what you're going to need, being informed of that provides a lot of peace of mind, maximising the capital by getting things in in the last year of work to also maximise your income tax deductions in your final year of employment. Consider the estate planning implications of what you're doing. You can have a reversionary pension to a spouse or you can have a nomination that sees the monies paid out uh, in the event of your death. So understand how your pension is impacted by your will um, and your broader estate planning requirements because we touched in a previous episode that finding nominations and wills, they are very, very different things and they control different areas of your, of your asset base. Speak with your family solicitor about the implications so that you know what could happen in the event that you pass. Draw what you need from the structure and consider other income streams. Consider the tax benefits um, of the pension structure because, as I said earlier, no earnings on, on distributions but also no capital gains tax on the sale of assets. And one that a lot of people miss is don't just think that throwing everything into one fund is the only way to do it. And what I mean by that is if you're downsizing or if you're making a non-concessional contribution because you've sold an investment property or a building or something and you're adding large capital amounts into super, think about running more than one fund because if you can put all of your tax-free contributions into a fund and have all of the contributions that were made to your fund from paid employment, they have different underlying tax components which can have a significant impact on the estate planning value of assets that are passed out in the event that you die. So think about that. That's a lot to take in on a Friday afternoon, but don't just jump to the fact that having one fund is what you need because there can be some significant benefits in controlling the 
tax components of your contributions because money that goes in tax-free is different to money that goes in via salary sacrifice or by claiming a tax deduction. So understand the components of your account and that'll be a, a, a new concept to a lot of listeners, but think about that. If you're going to add large licks of money to superannuation, it may be better off for a range of reasons to open a second account and not mix what you have already with what's coming in. So just think about that one because there can be some really big benefits over the longer term when it comes to transitions. So Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so 62604749. If you're not sure, you want to check something or just have a broad health check, give the girls a ring, we can make an appointment. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the website. You can go to the Knowledge Centre there and you can register for that for free and there's a a raft of calculators and, and technical information you can read and watch videos on. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Sack of Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And we've got Envision Financial Canberra on YouTube where you can see all of the shows on your iPhone. Pause it, get the key takeouts and uh, you don't have to read anything, which is, is fantastic in this day and age. It certainly is. Luke, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. We'll catch you again next Friday. Fantastic. Look forward to it. Take care. Thank you. Luke Smith from Envision Financial and Luke will be back again at the same time next Friday afternoon to talk money all over again.